Yes. Oh, welcome. Welcome, 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 everybody, to Highly Technical Golf Talk. I am your host, Kyle Serlo, and I'm very excited to bring you guys this new series from the Golf Guide podcast where I sit down and do long-form, in-depth interviews uh, with people around the world of golf um, rather than, you know, your, your typical, you know, weekly news-based show. Uh, we're going to just pick a topic and we're going to dive deep, deep, deep into it. This is our very first episode, one that I recorded a few months ago back at the end of 2019 uh, with my friend Danny Hasselroth. I introduced Danny and uh, give a, a little background on him at the beginning of the podcast, so I'm not going to do that here, which means I got nothing else for you, folks. So let's get to it. Now it's time to enjoy some highly technical golf talk. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Fuck. Shit. These are highly technical golf terms. You'll use them on your very first lesson. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. I have, uh, I've got a very fascinating, interesting, and dare I say, handsome guest here on the podcast today. <laughs> That's right. Uh, a friend of a friend who is now my friend it goes by the name of Mr. Dan Hasselroth. That's right. Uh, Dan has actually got a fascinating background uh, when it comes to the world of golf. I, the way he explained it to me when I first met him is that he has had more or less every different occupation within the golf space that one could imagine. And uh, it is for that very reason that I'm super excited to talk. Uh, Going to do a lot of talk about equipment, club fitting. Um, we might even jump into apparel. All of these spaces Dan has worked in. And uh, it is a pleasure to have him here with me live in studio. Uh, so I might as well just, just hand it right off to him. Dan, thank you very much for being here, my friend. It's a pleasure, man. We're doing it live. You're doing it live. This is, this is lovely. There's nothing I'd rather be doing than talking a little bit of golf. And so I'm hoping that this can be uh, entertaining and educational for everyone who's listening. So. I, I, I think it is going to be exactly that. And not uh, not to be left out, while we're recording this, our other good friend Brad, who uh, introduced me to Dan, he is actually in studio as well. He has requested that he does not have a microphone he is here simply to spectate and uh drink delicious hen house ale uh but that you know that doesn't mean we're not going to hand the mic to him at some point just to get his thoughts on something he's he's shaking his head at me in complete fear right now but uh i don't know dan, dan we'll, we'll we'll get him on the podcast at some point in the next hour or so brad's uh, a total glue guy <laughs> it's a total total glue guy exactly That's right he's here love it man you keep over there with that smile and just sip that beer that's right love it man uh, let's get into it perfect man well i i'll tell you what the one thing i've been most excited to talk uh talk to you about is club fitting like club fitting and technology which i know is not only a area of expertise with you but also something you are really passionate about um what, what's the what's the terminology in the golf industry for somebody who's just really really into equipment? Just a, are you just a gearhead? Gearhead, I'd say gearhead. Okay. You know, um, really just there's uh, I think with the um, the added exposure of these um, websites and resources that people have to learn more about the golf industry. I mean, I think it's amazing. Mm -hmm. But again, like in what we'll speak about coming up is with information, you got to have relevant information. I think sometimes a lot of people get misinformation. So that's, uh, you know, 
we'll get into it. But I, I think, you know, there is a good thing about having all that information out there. But I also think that sometimes there's a little too much. And if people get, especially in a game Thank like you. golf, <laughs> especially a game like golf where it can get, you know, um, very nuanced, mm-hmm. it, it can get a little bit confusing at times. So um, sure. it'll be fun to get into that. Well, let's just, yeah, let's just hit it right off the bat. What What is the biggest misconception when it comes to club fitting? I know before we uh, we started recording, um, you were mentioning something about there's the age-old debate of is it more important if you're first starting out to get lessons so then you can kind of develop a swing to then get fitted or if it's better to just get fitted for clubs from, from the jump and then start working with clubs that are made for you? Yeah, no, great question. I mean, I think this is this is still up to debate. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who can, um, you know, can give, uh, you know, opinions on both sides of the debate. But for me, um, you know, being a instructor back in the day and then also getting, um, you know, club fitting myself, it's tough. I mean, I can see the argument on both sides, but I, I'm a firm believer that you need to at least have a small amount of fitting done to your clubs prior to learning, only because there are certain things that are inherent to somebody's build and things that can't really, uh, they won't change based on how, you know, how much experience you have. So if I'm fitting a guy who is five, six, and then I'm fitting a guy who is six, four, those two guys, despite their, um, you know, their capabilities or their experience in golf and, and how good they are, they're going to need different clubs. So if I give those guys the same set of clubs, they just aren't going to be able to perform the same way. And, um, you know, those things are what we call static measurements. So when you look at one of the first things when you get fit for clubs is they'll look at what's called a wrist to floor measurement. So when you're holding a golf club, obviously your hands are a certain distance from the ground. And that has to really um, do with how long the club is. And so if you're a guy who's 6'3", I'm going to probably be giving you a club that might be a half inch a full inch over in length regardless of your uh you know playing ability and if you're a little bit shorter i might be cutting down that club and so you know if you're a beginner um it's it's a little bit tough because a lot of times you're not trying to invest a whole lot in the beginning you know you're just trying to go out there you know learn the game maybe hit some balls with your buddies but if you're starting to take it seriously i think there is um a benefit to at least have a very preliminary fitting and and really i think length is probably the biggest thing um flex and all that could you know you can start getting into it a little bit um you know as far as like how fast somebody can swing and their capabilities but you know i guess in the end i really do think at least somebody should look at you know a basic fitting before getting into it we're not talking about super in-depth stuff we're just talking about basic you know length and maybe flex when we're looking at it and then making sure you have the right club head too because honestly the difference between having like a blade and a cavity back is going to be night and day. Sure. So sure. I, is the standard length of irons for, for example, is that still going to, I guess, be an appropriate length for the majority of golfers? Like your standard length irons. I mean, like I said, if you got somebody who's five, four or five, three, like maybe they would need something a little shorter versus, you know, six, three, but when they come at the standard length, for the most part, is that going to satisfy the majority of golfers? I mean, Anybody between the heights of what and what, it almost makes perfect sense to have a, a standard length club. Yeah, I mean, so the good thing is, you know, as as humans, as we get taller, our uh, you know, our extremities also kind of match that, right? So if I'm fitting a guy who's, fi- I'd say between five eight and six two, they're probably going to use 
about the same length clubs in general. Now, yeah. if we get into really in-depth fitting, we can obviously change that. But for the most part, I mean, you know, a guy who's maybe shorter is going to have shorter arms than a guy who's longer, right? Like, it's all kind of relative. So, you know, to answer that, I would say most guys, if you buy some off the rack, if you're between 5'8 and 6'2", you're not going to really be hurting yourself too much. It, we're really talking about the ends of the spectrum here. Yeah. Um, but I, I still think that, um, you know, those things can drastically uh, change somebody's, uh, you know, learning of the game if they're playing with something that's really not fit for them. Sure. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. Um, in terms of length of the club, I mean, what what is the most dramatic, you know, length increase or decrease you'll see if, like, say, I mean, have you ever added three inches to somebody's, you know, clubs before? I mean, is there, I mean, again, you said it's not really so much based on the height of an individual so much it is the distance between their hands and the ground. Is that is that correct? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I really, sometimes you, f I mean, you, you always fit for what the player needs, but sometimes comfort is involved. So there there are times where I fit guys, um, for instance, we had, um, you know, uh, a couple of, like, NBA players who I've, I've fit before, mm -hmm. um, some of them being upwards of, like, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, mm -hmm. and they've needed stuff, like, two inches over, which is, which is okay. quite a bit, sometimes a little bit more, and that's just been kind of for comfort, but for the most part... Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that's probably about the most extreme. And at that point, you're really just trying to make sure that a player can address the ball in a in a, a athletic and a comfortable manner. Um, but that also, you know, allows them to really create um, consistency in their game because that's what it's all about. Sure. You know, you you want to build the club around the player um, because in the end, it's uh, and I, I mentioned this kind of before we started, but it's like getting a suit tailored to you. You know, I mean, you you need to have something that fits you naturally so that you don't have to try too hard um, to get the results that you want. Um, and, and those, like I said, are, are static measurements. It, it really just, it doesn't matter if you just started golf today or if you've been playing for 10 years, you know, those are things that you're not going to, you're not going to change your height for the most part. Right. So that's true. If, if somebody has to err on too long or too short of clubs is one better than the other. Um, I, I think the the overall consensus, at least when I've been fitting, has been shorter is generally better because the shorter a club is, the easier it is to control. It's right. a lot of the same reason. I mean, the length of a club and then the loft of the club are a lot of the reasons why a driver, for instance, is harder to control than a pitching wedge, right? A lot of guys, they grab a wedge and they're like, oh, I'm pretty good. And then all of a sudden they grab a four iron. Oh, why can't I hit this as well? Well, that, that ball's a little bit further away from you and, and that mm -hmm. club has less loft. So those two things uh, create inconsistency. So I would say shorter is a little bit better. I mean, you see some of the pro guys, um, you know, Dustin Johnson's a perfect example, right? The guy's got the height that would necessitate generally like maybe a three quarter to an inch over, but he plays a driver that's at 44 inches, right? So, you know, perfect example of like you know you really in certain instances you want to get what works for you mm -hmm. um but unfortunately a lot of in uh, a lot of the industry has gone towards longer clubs as standard because generally length creates club head speed club head speed creates ball speed and that creates distance so mm -hmm. i'd say in the last 10 years you've seen the average seven iron length stock off the rack go from mm -hmm. a 37 inch to like 37 and a half inches, right? So that's the stock. So now you're talking about that extra half inch. So now the guy's swinging a seven iron that actually has the same length as a six iron used mm -hmm. to. And not only that, but now the lofts have been getting a little bit stronger, right? So it's, 
I don't want to say it's like a cheap way of getting distance, but it is definitely a way of getting distance in ways other than just a guy making pure contact. So. Well, it's also very helpful for marketing departments of club manufacturers like, yo, our clubs have gotten like 10 yards longer in the last X now of years. But then you're saying that mm, probably a lot of that has to do just simply with the fact that it's a stronger loft and a longer club. I wouldn't I wouldn't say simply. I mean, I'd say that has uh, that has something to do with it. Um, you know, I think a lot of it actually. So when people you'll get a lot of the cynics, especially when I was fitting, would come in and be like, oh, well, you know, of course, these are going to go longer. The, the, the lofts are stronger and this and that. But it's like, OK, well, let's let's look at a couple of things. First of all, if I if I build a club that has, let's say, um, a cavity back. Right. So cavity back is one of the things that makes it more forgiving is that there's going to be weight positioned lower in the club head, which is naturally going to create a higher launch of the ball. Mm -hmm. So if I just all of a sudden have a ball that's launching higher, it's just going to go higher. It's not necessarily going to go farther. So we have to counteract that by making the lofts a little stronger in order to create the same kind of trajectory that we want. So there are, there are, it's not so easy. I mean, look, if, if it was so easy as to say, oh, just, just strengthen the lofts and it'll go further. Well, it's like, yeah, but now what? You're going to have eight wedges in your bag because yeah. your pitching wedge is a 30 <laughs> degree. Like you're not going to do that. So there, there's definitely a design behind it. We got like, there's good engineers that really do, um, you know, they, they do a good job at, at having it make sense. But I mean, to, to answer your question, I would say that shorter is generally better, but in the end, um, it's, it's about making good ball contact and you know, the ball is just over an inch high, right? So we're talking about if you have a club that is a half inch off of what you actually are fit for, mm-hmm. that's the difference between you hitting a solid shot and hitting a fat shot, solid shot and hitting a thin shot. Mm-hmm. And that's huge when it comes to ball speed, which is yeah. if, I mean, essentially what equates the distance. So, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Um, if I'm sticking on the, the length thing, I, you, you mentioned Dustin Johnson and, uh, I can't remember who I was having this argument with a couple of weeks ago, but um, the standard length for a driver, if you bite off the rack, is 45 inches. Is that is that is that correct? I, now that I have you here, I, I guess I can kind of get that. I, I can verify that. I've always just kind of assumed that was the case. So it, it's it changes based on the manufacturer and based on the, the club type. Mm-hmm. So uh, a common example is so most manufacturers, if you go out there, they're going to have um, the easiest way to put it is there, it's kind of there's there's two branches that a club company is going to go in when it builds clubs it's either going to go towards the kind of more game improvement for the masses type and then they're going to have the more kind of players club right so generally when you're talking about the clubs that are i guess more for the masses those are generally going to be a little bit longer i mean some manufacturers actually make drivers that are stock 46 inches but i'd say 45 is usually a good like that's pretty much most of them are 45. Uh, you got companies um, like Tideless, for instance, they're kind of like a purist brand. They're going to try to stick more towards like the 45, 45 and a quarter. Um, you got companies, you know, that are trying to get a little bit more club head speed. You got your Callaways, your, you know, your TaylorMades, right? Who some of their more game improvement type lines might mm-hmm. go edge towards 46. And again, that is part of that's just trying to get that extra club head speed for that guy, right? The guy right. who can't create it naturally. So they're going to just use you know, the laws of physics and, and, you know, um, you know, centrifugal force to get a, a couple more miles per hour for that guy. Cause in the end, if you can add a couple more miles per hour to their club head speed and translate that to ball speed, then you're going to be able to pick up a few more yards. Sure. So. Now, but you said that Dustin Johnson, who, you know, as far as golfers go, especially on the professional circuit, I mean, he's probably one of the taller guys on tour. I think Dustin's what six, two or six, three or six, four, right? 
Um, but he uses a 44-inch driver, um, which it sounds like it's at least a full inch shorter than what you'd find off, you know, off the rack at a lot of places. Um, he's not alone, from what I understand. I mean, do, don't a, a large portion, I, I don't know if it would be the majority, but don't a large portion of the guys on tour use drivers that are, sh- in fact, shorter than 45 degree or 45 inches? Yeah, so, I mean, and just to, to kind of step back a little bit, I don't know if it's exactly 44 inches. It might be 44 and a half, but I know it's shorter than standard. Okay. And really, um, yeah, to answer your question, yes, like they, they play shorter. Because uh, I heard Ricky's like 43 and a half yeah, or something like that. Uh-huh, yeah, and, and really what it comes down to is is ball speed. So a lot of people have this misconception. A lot of people, like, are, are really infatuated with, with club head speed. Mm-hmm. And I tell guys all the time, I'm like, look, you know, club head speed is awesome. Because club head speed sets your ceiling. That sets your ceiling of potential. Um, but if you can't translate that into ball speed, then there's no point. Um, ball speed is, you know, in the end, we want that ball to go far. And it can't go far unless it's going fast. So if if, if we don't have high ball speed, then what's the point in that club going as fast as it can? And mm-hmm. so what it comes down to is the hottest parts of a driver are generally towards the center of the face. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's a little bit towards the high toe as some people know um, in fitting that's kind of a hot spot on a driver but really what it comes down to is what can I put in my hand that can help me hit the center of the face more often and create the most ball speed possible and you know what they found is these I mean look these guys are you know they they want control they can get distance these guys all hit the ball deep you guys you got guys like Rory not a big guy who can destroy the ball but he can do that because he has really good technique. So he doesn't necessarily need help getting distance. He needs controlling that. And, you know, so it, it's it's not uncommon for guys to play a little bit shorter. Um, in the end, I mean, a ball that's going faster is going to go farther. And if I give you a club that's in, you know, if I give you a club that's half an inch shorter, but you're getting two to three miles per hour more ball speed, then that's what I want. I want ball yeah. speed. I don't care about how fast your club's going. Okay. Because, again, this is a terrible example but I'm just going to use myself as a point of reference. Me and my my, my my dog shit nine handicap. Pretty terrible. Like I I got a I got a when I got my driver. It's a Callaway Rogue from a couple years ago, right? And I just I was having a tough time. I, granted, I didn't get fitted for it, so it's just a stock driver. And then I just was having trouble controlling it. And I just like you know what? Let's just cut it down a little bit and see what happens. And I cut it down a full inch, maybe even I think I got an inch and a quarter. So it's 43 and three quarters inches now. My driver. I did not notice any difference in terms of the distance that I was hitting the golf ball, but I started hitting probably 50% more fairways. Is that something that just based on your experience, if a lot of golfers who are between, you know, say a five and a 15 handicap cut an inch off their driver, do you think the majority of them would see any sort of a noticeable difference in distance and then also any sort of a, you know, a noticeable improvement in terms of their accuracy, accuracy the way that I did? Or is that a one-off? You more um, of a one-off? No, it's definitely not a one-off. I mean, you're you're not the first person who's done that and seen success. I will say that there's a couple of factors involved. Generally, if you if you took the same shaft that you had at 45 and a half inches and cut it down an inch and a half, and you got better results, that probably means you weren't in the right shaft in the first place. Okay. <laughs> um, that could also mean that it has something to do with your timing. And the only thing, the only reason I have, you know, a little bit of reluctance to just tell people to chop down a club mm-hmm. is because you might you might start messing with people's timing you know th- there is 
you know, I mean, we're talking about milliseconds between somebody hitting a good shot and a bad shot as far as being able to release the club property properly. And, you know, um, I mean, I've done the same thing myself. I, I found success uh, going with a driver that's 44 and a half inches and, you know, same kind of results where I, I got a little bit more consistency, but it doesn't work for everybody. Some people have nice kind of like longer, smoother swings. Mm -hmm. And so for somebody like that, I wouldn't necessarily say cutting it down is going to help because now you've kind of shortened the time that it takes them from taking the club back to getting back to impact so that like somebody who's like a really big like who's played for a long time who's a really like a feel player mm -hmm. right i don't like messing with the length of, like too much that could probably just mean you're in the wrong shaft but i mean i would say as kind of like a band-aid of sorts i've mm -hmm. seen it help people but i would probably say if if that's if you're having that big of an issue when it comes to consistency there's probably a good chance you just don't have the right shaft in the first place. Well, considering I didn't get fitted for the driver, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, could be. And I mean, like, <laughs> like, look, I mean, a lot of these companies now, they, um, the cool thing is, is they have, so first of all, most companies used to have shafts that they kind of made on their own, like OEM shafts, right. That they kind of had their own label on yeah. that they would kind of outsource to these big shaft manufacturers, you know, whether it be Fujikura, Graphite Designs, like all these big guys. And they would, you know, what happens is these, these club manufacturers, they have these, these club heads and they say, all right, they kind of get, they kind of give them to these, you know, they give the protos to these, these, um, these shaft manufacturers and say, all right, like give us some results based on this club head. Let's say it's your rogue or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Hey, check it out. Let's see the numbers on it. And they'll, you know, get a handful of them. And now what they do is they actually use like the legit shafts. So most of these companies have legit shafts. Now, granted they're made in larger batches. So the tolerances are a little bit higher, mm -hmm. but they're still very good quality shafts. So when you buy a $550 driver, the shaft that's in that, you know, is probably a good, you know, $200 shaft, which is, wow. you know, not insignificant. No. So, um, that being said, you can get stuff off the rack. That's really good. But, because they offer maybe five to 10 shafts that are on the rack at your local golf shop, there's a huge difference between those shafts. You can have a shaft that's going to be low launch, low spin. You can have a shaft that's high launch, high spin. And depending on, you know, you as a player, they can both be stiff flex. So you can be sitting there like, Oh, I play stiff, but well, one's going to be a lot different than the other. And, yeah. and the shaft again is that's the thing that's controlling the club head. And if you don't pick the right one, then you can have a club that, like you really just never had a fair chance with because you know, you didn't have a shaft that was fitting your swing in the first place. So it has nothing to do with the club head. If you don't have a shaft that's helping deliver it to the ball effectively, then you're really not putting yourself in a good position. Okay. Well, let's jump more into like a uh, fine, like club fitting stuff like mm -hmm. just to piggyback on that. So it sounds to me from what you were just saying, but also again, uh, some conversations we were having before we started recording, when you go in to get fitted, is it wrong to say that the probably single most important aspect of getting you dialed in with the right equipment is to in fact have is, is the shaft and more, more, much more so than the club head? Uh, is that is that fair or you think it's it, they kind of go hand in hand? They're they're very equal with one another. So one of the first questions I would ask a person when they came in for a fitting is, you know, where are they right now as far as their golf game and like where are they going? So like, who are you? Are you a guy who plays golf twice a year and like you know? your company's tournaments and you're just trying to go out there and, you know, not make a fool of yourself. Uh, are you a guy who's, 
you know, picked up the game and you're all in, you know, you're really trying to improve your game. And so the first thing I look at is the club head. I mean, honestly, so you got to look at the club head, the club head has all the technology in it. That's going to, you know, help make the club, you know, forgiving or being able to work it. You know, like I said before, generally it's, you know, game improvement or are you going something more kind of players and by players, I just mean like more versatile, you know, you probably have a little bit more adjustments in it. You're, you're probably able to kind of tweak it a little bit more because you have a swing that's kind of more refined so you can tweak a club head that'll help kind of um you know i would say make that as optimal as possible so yeah i think club head is important um that kind of i would look at club head as more of kind of like your your ability as a player right if you need you need a cavity back because you're maybe not as consistent or you want a blade because you know you're a good ball striker now um the shaft is kind of what my job would be as as the fitter so if i know where you're at i know hey Look, you're just playing a few times a year. I'm probably going to get you something that's that's pretty forgiving club head. Easy to get distance. You're not going to have to work too hard. And, um, you know, a little bit more forgiving. So, you know, your miss hits aren't going to be as penal. And then my job is to look at your swing as a, just really as the unique player that you are. So your unique tempo, um, how fast you can swing it. Uh, and then that's my job to make sure I put the right shaft in that club that can help you deliver that club head to the ball efficiently. Hmm. So, I mean, it, it's a little bit, I, I would, I hate to say like it's complicated, but I mean, really that's the job of the club fitter is to, is to just elicit that information from the player. Like, Hey, what do you, where are you trying to go with this game? And like, what are you trying to do? Because look, if you're, if you're going to put in a bunch of work, if you're telling me you're going to hit the range three times a week, I'll put you in something that's going to be a little bit more difficult, but you're going to have a higher, higher ceiling, right? Because sure. I'm going to give you something a little bit more challenging, but when you put in the work, you're going to be able to achieve, you know, something a little bit higher than maybe the guy who's just going to maybe hit balls once a month. And then it's right. like, okay, I'm just going to give you something that's going to make the game fun for you. That makes so, perfect sense. Yeah. Is when you are starting to fit somebody, um, I, I know you probably have them take a couple swings and you kind of, you know, you ask them these questions about where their game's at, where they want to go. Um, when you start to watch them hit balls, is that as important, more important, or not really much of a factor at all in terms of getting them fit as, you know, compared to putting them in like the track man, looking at all their specs, looking at the numbers? I mean, how much of it is based on what you see and what you learn from them with the information they give you versus the metrics and stuff that you read off, um, you know, I, I guess, I don't know if it would technically be a track man or whatever, whatever it is that you use to kind of measure all the different aspects of their swing. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, track man is, is great. We've also used, um, I've used the, uh, uh, foresight GC quad, which is a big one too. Essentially what they do is they're able to look at the golf club itself and the ball, which is just, you know, all data that you're looking at to evaluate someone, uh, to answer your question, I think, um, the numbers, give you the what they give you the um you know the object i mean i would say the objective data that's like hey like this is very um this is how we evaluate what your ball is doing mm-hmm. um i would say the player and their swing give me a, you know you got to understand the why behind the what i think is what what it comes down to and for example if, for i mean for example like if i see a player most common right you get you get a player who's generally a little bit new you get a lot of players i'd say most amateurs their biggest miss is high right they hit the ball with a fade slice coming over the top coming Coming outside in correct so i mean i had a little bit of a 
advantage from being an instructor in the past. So I can see that in somebody's swing. I can be like, okay, this guy, you know, he's coming over the top. He hits, he has a really steep attack angle. He's going to create a ton of spin. So what that's telling me right away is, okay, if I'm just looking at the numbers themselves without seeing the swing, I'm seeing this guy has a ton of spin, right? Okay, this guy has a ton of spin, so this ball's not going to be going very far. Um, you know, we're looking at a big shot shape, right? We're talking about this guy's probably hitting about a 20, 30-yard fade, um, you know, at this point. And for me, it's like, okay, like, why is he doing that? So is this like a is this something that he's going to be taking lessons and all of a sudden that's going to get corrected pretty quickly? Cause I'm not just going to give him something that's going to throw a bandaid on a problem that he's going to fix in a month of taking lessons. And all of a sudden he's got a club that doesn't fit him now. So for me, um, you know, there is, there is a part of, you know, having the experience and understanding again, like through those questions, like, Hey, like, where are you at? If this is a guy who's like, Hey man, like I am who I am. This is my swing. Hey, cool, man. Like, all right, we'll play that 30 yard fade and we're going to play it all day. We're just going to have you, we're, aim, we're having you aim left and you're going to hit it 30 yards on a fade every single time. Cause again, it's about consistency. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, repeatability. And, it, and if I can, you know, if I can tell you right now that you will know exactly where that ball is going to go every time, like you'll take that all day. Yeah. So, um, you know, there is there is a good amount that you have to kind of see prior to it but yeah when i see somebody walk in i mean uh, like i told you before i can usually tell um within about 10 to 12 swings of them warming up like where we're going to be going and and what we can do to help them so interesting Mm -hmm. and is that something where you see that you kind of have an idea of what you think they're going to need but it's the data that you get from hooking them up to to your rig that gives you the exact specifications of what you're then going to recommend they they get to to get fitted yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the, the numbers are, are kind of what will substantiate whatever we're, we're trying to do. So, you know, um, in the end, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of ways to skin a cat, as I say, but it's like, there's so many different components, whether it be shafts and club headed combinations that can really, um, you know, help a player become more consistent. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that the, the numbers kind of give you the validation of like, okay, this is like what we're trying out. And it's really when you put the numbers of a certain setup on a club against, you know, something, you know, let's just say you try two or three shafts out, right. Then you're able to whittle it down. And that's really what it comes down to is, you know, Mm -hmm. you have so many components out there. You're, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to take, you know, you're trying to funnel it down. You're trying to take five options and make them three take three options and make them the final one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a good fitter, what they're able to do is, is get you from that 10 to the five to the three quicker. Uh, Cause otherwise it's just trial and error. And you got to remember when you're fitting somebody, I mean, their swings changing, like your, your swing, your first 10 swings are probably your warm up swings. Right. And Mm -hmm. then, I mean, if I'm fitting somebody and I got an hour and a half with them, I mean, after 90 minutes, that swing at, 85 minutes is not the same swing after 20 minutes so again something i mean golf is very dynamic in every single way and you really have to um you know you have to be aware of kind of who you're fitting but if i'm fitting a guy who's maybe a little bit up there in age you know i got to make sure that i have him hitting shots that are that are you know um purposeful because mm-hmm. I can't have him out there banging a hundred balls because the guy's going to be gassed by the yeah, end of it. Right. Exactly. If I got a guy who's, you know, I can tell a little bit younger then we can maybe go through that. But at the same time, it's, you know, you got to take those things in consideration because, you know, if, if you get to the end of that session and this guy's hit a hundred balls, you got to realize like, well, that swings probably a little bit different than, you know, he had back then. And, you know, um, golf is also not the same as, as just getting fit, getting fit. Mm-hmm. You probably hit a hundred balls within an hour, you know, hour and a half. Whereas, if you play around a golf, 
full swing, you probably took 60 full swings in four hours. In four hours, right? So it's different. Yeah. So you're really trying to read between the lines a lot when it comes to fitting. Sure. So does that mean that you will, in the fitting process, you might weigh those swings in the first 20 minutes of a fitting a little bit more than maybe, say, balls 75 and on just because you know that those first, you know, in that first 20 minutes to a half an hour, those swings are going to be a little bit more, as you said, purposeful. You have a little more intent behind them as opposed to when they get a little bit more tired. Or is it kind of just, hey, what I see and what the numbers tell me on the whole is is a better representation of what I need to do to fit you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where being a fitter is kind of uh, a little bit more nuanced. I mean, it depends what I'm fitting for. So if I'm fitting a guy for a full bag, right, I'm going to have him start off with wedges because generally mindset wedges, you're not trying to crush it. Right. Uh, if I get a guy who's just got a, like, let's say a 45-minute fitting and all he's fitting for is a driver, mm-hmm. well, here's the thing. Like, if I have you hitting a driver and you're fitting it, you're you're probably taking pretty aggressive swings at that you're probably swinging. i would hope so i hope they're very aggressive well i mean you're i'll be honest man you're probably <laughs> you're probably swinging a lot harder than you normally do yeah. and especially because you're on a driving range so that thing's what 100 yards wide wider than most fairways out there yeah. so you're not giving me your real swing you're giving me your like long drive swing right like, all right you know i'm gonna you know I'm, I'm gonna get out there i'm gonna get my zoo back out there long drive like big ball right and i'm like all right cool so i try to you know again it's it's like be you're kind of you're kind of a therapist out there at times, man. Like you're out there just kind of like, all right, this is this is who you're. T-. It's like being on a first date with somebody, right? Yeah. Like, okay, you're showing me the you're showing me your side of things because you got to remember, like some of these people, like golf is so mental. Guys come in and they're like, some guys are intimidated. They're like, you know, big they time. come in. I try to make them feel super comfortable, but sometimes they come in. They're like, oh, this is like this is my big chance. I'm getting fitted. Like this is their first time getting fitted. They played golf for 20 years, but this is their first time really taking it seriously. I know so, a lot of guys like that. So there's a lot of pressure. I've had guys come in and they're like. They can't even hit the ball. And I can tell they have a good swing, but they're just like in their head. And I'm just like super and, and nervous. Like, what if so what, what if I have a bad swing and then I get fitted for a bad swing and also this is just a huge God. waste of money? Hundred percent. That's gotta be a huge concern for a it's, lot of folks. It's is it huge. Not? So one of my tricks would be if I did indoor fittings, what I would do is I'd be like, Hey man, I gotta go take a piss. And so I would go, Hey, do me a favor, like they're already warmed up, I'm like, hey, do me a favor. Hit some balls. I'll show them how the machine works just because really just like all they have to do is figure out where to tee it up and then like it'll just read the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, man, like yeah, I'll be right back. So I'll leave for like five, ten minutes. I'll come back and, you know, I'll look at numbers. You have like, all okay, the cool. data. And I got all the data I need because they're in there and they're they're in their element. They're comfortable. And, you know, again, like that's one of those things where just through experience, you can kind of see how comfortable somebody is. And really that's what it's all about. You're trying to put people – in a situation that they're normally in, you know, you want them to take the swings that make them like that are what they would really swing. Because I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like going to a therapist and lying to them. It's like, you're, you're going to them for help. Like you go, you go to your doctor, you ask you how many times you smoke a week and you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't smoke maybe once a week, but you're, you know, you're, you're putting back half a pack a day. It's Is like, that dude, true? Well, these, these scans tell me you literally have the black lung. Yeah. Like, why are you lying to your doctor? He's there to help you. Just like the doctor's the guy you're supposed to be being real with, but it's just, it's, you know, it's human nature, right? You're going to do this. I mean, the amount of guys who come in and they're like, I mean, trust me, the, like the amount of guys who come in and say they hit their seven iron 160 and I see him and I'm like, dude, okay. <laughs> like you hit it 160 one time and you hit a sprinkler head or two. Like I get it. Speed's a lot. 
I mean, right. But like, I totally get that. But it's like, don't lie to me. I'm trying to help you out, man. Like, right. just shoot me straight so I can get you what you need. And that's where you kind of, you know, you got to stroke the ego a little bit. You got to, you know, you got to understand who you're kind of dealing with. But, you know, in the end, I think that once you get comfortable with somebody and they kind of understand that, like, hey, like, we're, we're just trying to make your game better. They're, you know, they start to kind of be a little bit more real with you. Sure. So it helps. Yeah. Sure. Right. That makes perfect sense. You're, you're basically a golf equipment therapist. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're uh, not wrong that. uh, that's hilarious. So, all right. Uh, you're talking about somebody who's getting fitted for a driver. Obviously, it sounds like if somebody was to get fitted for a set of irons versus a set of, you know, versus getting fit for a driver, how how different is that fitting? I mean, other than just the, hitting a different club. I mean, is there any... I mean, other than hitting one type of club or hitting another type of club, is there a big difference in the way that you fit somebody for the different kinds of clubs? Yeah, so um, so driver, I, I love fitting for drivers because I think that the um, the goal is very simple. We want to hit it as far and straight as possible. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter who we are. Uh, we want it to be consistent. We want it to go far and straight. So driver fittings are pretty simple. Um, for me, I think that the biggest misconception, and this kind of goes back to our question of, hey, is it better to get fit first or to take lessons first? But you know, the thing is, in order to hit a ball consistently, you got to deliver that club head to the ball consistently. And that means the shaft has to fit your swing. And for me, if you're going to hit the ball as far as possible, you have to be able to swing the club as fast as you can possibly within reason, within control. And so what would happen a lot is I'd get these big guys who come in or just like, you know, even if they're younger guys, but let's just say they learned how to play golf on a buddy set of clubs. And let's say they have a shaft that's too weak for them. So what ends up happening is you have this guy who's in good shape. He can swing the club really fast. Like his capability of club head speed is very high. But the problem is, is he has done what any of us would do if we're playing golf and we're playing, you know, and we're out there hitting balls left and right. We're going to tailor our swing to the club head to make the result better so what i find is i I find these guys would come in and you know they're they're in really good shape but they have club head speeds that are in you know and i'm talking driver they're in the 80s and 90s when i know damn well they can swing a lot faster than that and why do they do that because they're they've played golf with their buddies and they learned that oh well if i swing really hard the ball goes sideways so i'm gonna slow my swing down Mm -hmm. but what they're doing is they're adapting their swing to the club as opposed to having a club that can withstand what they're capable of. And my job is to get them out of that mindset. Like, Hey man, you need to trust this. So honestly, what I would do is I would like, let's, let's give that like that example, a guy who can swing super hard, but was always afraid to, cause whenever he did, he would hit it out of bounds. So I would give a guy a driver with like a super stiff shaft in it, like extra stiff, like heavy 70 mm-hmm. plus grams. And he would hit it a couple of times Maybe like, okay, this kind of feels good. And it's like, yeah, it feels good because this is a shaft that you can actually that can actually withstand what you're capable of. And all of a sudden I would just tell the guy, I'm like, hey, like stop being a little bitch. Swing this thing. Hit it as hard as you can. Like, don't be afraid. Like, why? Like, we're not playing golf. Just get there. And they would swing as hard as they could. And sure enough, within a couple of swings, they'd be pounding it. And they're like, Whoa, I never realized I can actually swing like this and still get that result. I'm like, Yeah, you can. The problem is that club didn't fit you. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think the fitting really comes in because it gives that person the realization that like, wow, I can actually swing the way I want to swing and the club's going to fit it. Cause if you, here's the thing, if I give you right now, if I was like, yo, 
here's a women's set of clubs. You never played golf before, mm-hmm. but here's a women's set of clubs. But your goal is to shoot a low score as possible. You would, I mean, you're going to adapt to it. Right. You're going to swing slower. You're going to adapt your swing to that club to make sure it goes straight. You're not going to sit there and swing as hard as you can and keep seeing balls go out of bounds. So mm-hmm. you're going to adapt your swing to it. So that's why I think that it's super important that people get fit sooner and later because they'll never really know their potential because they'll never even like mentally, they'll never realize how hard they can swing, how they can actually swing a club within like their own capabilities without having an adverse result. Cause in the end, I mean, like you're not, you're, you're not going to watch that ball go out of bounds a lot. So, yeah. you know, if you have the wrong shaft and all that stuff, you're, you're just not willing to do it. And unfortunately that kind of, uh, that deters a lot of people from continuing the game because they, they see adverse results when really it's just like, you get the wrong club in your hand. Yeah. Yeah, so I think um, you know, driver's a little bit different. Iron, irons a, a, is a little bit more complicated because you're looking at precision. Drivers, drivers, the weapon. That's the thing you're trying to go as far and, and straight as possible. The irons are about precision. Those are your tools. Um, so when it comes to that, you kind of really have to have that conversation with people about like how far they're hitting the ball. You know, whether they're going to need hybrids at the top end of their bag. Um, mm-hmm. Do you hit a three hybrid better than you hit a three iron? Uh, personally, I'd rather have an iron, but that's just because I just don't like the look of hybrids. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a personal preference. But irons are uh, a little bit more, um, I would say, complicated only because you want to make sure an iron goes a specific distance. And that when we were talking about the lofts and everything earlier, you know, there's, there's no point in my 7-iron going 200 yards. There really isn't. It's nice. It sounds good on paper. It's mm-hmm. really cool when you see the pros do that. Yeah. But what they get into is they're like, well, they have a ton of wedges in their bag. So... You know, if you can hit your three iron closer than I can hit my six iron, you win if you yeah. make that putt, right? <laughs> and that's what it comes down to. So my job with an iron is to make sure it's consistent. Um, so the iron fitting is really going to come down to consistency first. So I'm looking at is the ball speed consistent every time? That means you're you're delivering that club head to the ball consistently every time. With, e- lo- with each, like, different iron or just? Um, usually you're going to start with a seven iron just because that's in the middle okay. of the bag. It's a little bit easier. What we'll do is we'll start with a seven iron, and we'll, we'll use the different components, so different shafts and things like that. Once we get the club head dialed down, usually you start with club head. You figure out what club head works best for kind of your playing ability. Mm-hmm. Then you start looking at different shafts. Um, usually within club head speed, you can figure out what, what flex you need really quickly. So uh, if I look at a, I know a certain ball speed, I can tell, okay, you're stiff flex. Now let's look at different characteristics within that shaft. Um, the first thing I look at is the weight of the shaft. If you're a strong guy, um, or let's just say you have a tendency to maybe overswing the club, mm-hmm. um, I'm probably going to give you a heavier shaft. And a heavier shaft um, will essentially keep you in control. Because if I give you something heavier and you swing it, you'll be able to feel it throughout your swing yeah. easier. It's the same reason why your wedge shafts are usually heavier and your iron shafts and and you know so on. Not just because of the length, but because it's easier to to kind of feel those intermediate swings when you're, when you want to take an 80% shot or you want to take a 75% shot, yep. a heavier shaft, you can actually feel where that's at. So you look at the weight of the shaft, you look at the st- uh, stiffness of the shaft and numbers wise, what I'm looking at is consistency. Are you, are you landing that seven iron the same distance every time? Cause what I want to be able to give you is a club that, you know, when you step over it, you're going to hit it that distance every time. Cause that's your number, mm-hmm. right? Um, cool. If we can get you some more yards, awesome. But if I, if I give you a club that you hit 180 and then all of a sudden you hit 150 and then 165, like that's not consistent. That yeah. doesn't help you. So right. that's cool. You hit it 180 one time, but you know, sometimes going over the green is just as bad as being short, right? Oftentimes so, worse. Uh, yeah. Cause you know, they don't design the course from, you know, behind the green generally. Yeah. Usually that's like where the next tee right. box is right. and that, you know, it's not that great. So anyway, it's, 
really it's about consistency. And then you're looking at gapping. So gapping, you want about a 10 to 15 yard gap between each of your clubs. Um, and then, you know, really once you get a good iron set down, once you understand what kind of shafts you need, as well, we use a seven iron. Um, then you start to figure out, okay, where's your top end? How, this is where I'll start having them hit the longer irons. What's the longest iron that you can hit consistently um, that we can predict? So sometimes it's a five iron, sometimes it's a four iron, but we start to get there. We look at consistency and then that's our top end of the set. So now I know, okay, you hit a four iron. Once we get past that four iron to the three iron, we start losing a lot of consistency. We're going to have to probably cap it at the four iron. We're going to have to look at probably a five wood or a, or a three hybrid equivalent for that kind of 19 degree club up, up on that end. On the back end of it, I'm looking at your wedges. Okay, cool. How how well do you hit your pitching wedge? How far do you hit it? Are we gonna want a gap wedge that matches the set? You know, like in a, like you'll see a lot of A wedges, U wedges. Mm -hmm. Different companies are gonna you know it's pretty much a 50 or 52 degree wedge. Right. So how consistently do you hit that? And then we start going into like it depends. If a guy comes in and he already has a wedge package that he likes, if he has a 52, 56, 60, let's say, which is pretty common we're going to have to have that conversation whether it's worth having a 50 and a 52 because that's pretty close. Yeah. Um, so really you just start looking at gapping at that point. But, you know, it, it's really two different uh, mindsets when it comes to uh, fitting between irons and woods. You know, drivers just, you know, the big dog, like just let's get it out there as far as possible. And then the irons is just about precision and consistency. Sure. To, to keep that sort of 10 to 15 yard gap in between irons is adjusting the loft of individual irons, something that is common in the fitting process to more or less ensure or try to get it to that 10 to 15 yard gap in between clubs? Or is that more of a byproduct of fitting everything else? And if we do what we're supposed to do, then the lofts on the irons should in fact produce that 10 to 15 yard gap between irons. Yeah, I'd say the latter probably. Okay. Um, usually you'll see with most iron sets, there's about a four degree difference between each loft in the in the uh, in the iron set. It gets a little bit shorter as you get up into like the five and four irons. So right. Usually, it's about a three degree difference, just because you're talking about the um, the distances get longer. So therefore, you need less degree of loft difference to achieve the fifteen to the ten yard difference. Sure. Um, but I like really tweaking lofts is something that's probably the least common tweak that I'd make to a golf club. Okay. Um, I would say in certain instances where a player might have the tendency to hit the ball super high or super low, maybe, but at the same time, if they're doing that, you probably didn't put them in the right shaft because okay. a shaft can help either you, you really want that ball flight to be in kind of an optimal window. And, um, that also has a lot to do with spin too. So, um, you know, what uh, the ball flight, a ball flight, whether it be a driver and iron or anything like that has to do with ball speed, which essentially sets the ceiling of potential for how far that ball can go. And then you have the spin on the ball. So the ball has backspin and sidespin. Sidespin is going to determine how far left and right it's going to go. Backspin is going to determine how much drag the ball has through the air. So that's actually slowing the ball down, which is why guys are always talking about low spin on the driver, right? You want that ball to knuckle through the air. A lot of people don't realize spin is actually a good thing. It actually controls the ball. Mm -hmm. So there's actually like a, the right amount of spin you want. Generally, you want to spin within a certain kind of window, and every club's a little bit different. But um, pretty much what you're looking at is if I have a guy hitting the ball super high, I'm not just going to be like, oh, well, let's just make the loft lower. It's, okay, well, maybe you're spinning the ball too much, right? Or sometimes a guy just has a really steep swing, so his na his ball is naturally going to go higher. So, you know, loft is something that I would say don't worry about. 
Like just don't okay. worry. Like I, I really wouldn't. Like I mean, if if you're if you're that good, like good for you. But okay. That wouldn't work out. All right. Awesome. So now, now we have reached the part of the program where I get to start asking you real, really dummy dumb questions. As a guy who yes. has never, in fact, been fitted before, I'm gonna take the bullet for all of those listening who have dumb questions for an expert like Dan, but don't have somebody they can ask. So, here's numero uno for you. Okay. Ready, my friend? Yes. So, in 2019. The equipment, by and large, seems to be spectacular, like as good as it's ever been. And I'm, I'm not really sure how much better, like, for instance, driver technology can get while still staying within USGA and RNA limits, right? So given that fact, um, if all the drivers are more or less maxed out in terms of size and forgiveness and things like that, aside from the shaft, what's really the point of getting fitted for a driver? Well, you're absolutely right. First of all, I will say this, like having worked for probably the biggest driver manufacturer, they always like to tout like number one driver on tour. Uh Like, I mean, no, trust me, like we always had that. Uh, But I would maintain that if you gave me any major manufacturer right now and gave me their club head with a full array of fitting components, I can give you a driver that will um, be as good as any other driver that you can get okay. uh, which is to say exactly what you, what you were saying i mean every every club manufacturer is doing really good things um shaft is super important for driver i mean that, i'll just say that right now i mean the difference between your club face being oriented you know a half degree open or closed is going to um sometimes determine whether that ball is inbounds or out of bounds so really what it comes down to i mean there's a reason why there's you go into a fitting studio and there are 40 shafts on the wall mm-hmm. um for just one particular club head and, um, you know, I just think, yeah, to answer your question, the, the shaft that's in your club is extremely important because mm-hmm. like I've said before, in any club, you have a club head that you're trying to deliver to the golf ball in a, to make solid contact. And you're trying to do it consistently. The thing that's the only thing that connects that club head to you, the player in your hands is the shaft. So that is, as a lot of people like to say, the engine of the club and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, it's true. It is. And so, um, I mean, it's extremely important. Now, will I say, I mean, the the difference between a shaft that you can get stock, like when that's on the rack at your local pro shop or at, mm-hmm. a, at a, you know, a box store, is it a whole lot different than one that you're going to have to pay another two, $300 for? I'd say probably not. Like, I mean, there is there are higher quality shafts out there and what makes them higher quality is the tolerances that they test them under. So, you know, if, if you're going to get a shaft that's off the rack, like, yeah, they're going to widen the tolerances a little bit. They're going to allow it to, um, you know, to pass a little bit easier because they got to make thousands of them. Right. Whereas if you have a kind of a handcrafted shaft, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more consistent for sure. Um, but for most players, you know, you got to make sure you just have the right, you got to have the right flex first of all, because the shaft needs to load and it needs to release. If you don't have a club head speed that can load a shaft, then you're going to be inconsistent. You're, you're really losing club head speed because um, you're, you're losing potential club head speed based on the fact that that shaft is going to load and then release. If you have a shaft that's too weak for you, you're going to have inconsistency because you're going to be overloading the shaft um, and it's going to release either too quickly or too late. And that just leads to left and right. So you can have a, you know, club head on that thing but if it's not being delivered to the ball uh, effectively then you know what's the point so shaft is super important um i don't think it's so important that you need to go out there and grab like a eight nine hundred dollar shaft to put on it but here's the thing man i mean if 
if you find a chef that, that costs a few hundred extra bucks and it helps you be that much more consistent, the beautiful thing is that usually that shaft, and I mean, I'm a testament of it. I've used, I've used the same, same shaft for probably the last two or three club heads that I've had. And because that, really. that shaft fits my swing. So no matter what I put at the end of that shaft, it's going to get delivered there consistently. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm 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 hoping that the technology gains in the club head is going to help me get more consistent. But at the end of the day, that shaft is delivering that club head, you know, consistent because that it matches my swing. So sure. I think it, I think it's super important with drivers, especially just because the the margin of error is so much smaller in a driver. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, look, if a ball, if a pitching wedge right is you know, maybe two or three degrees off, it's only going maybe 130 yards. So you're really not going to be that penalized. But you extrapolate that out to, you know, 260, 270, 280. Now that ball is way, way out of target. Yeah. So that makes sense. How how much of the club fitting process in terms of the equipment that people end up getting is more or less based on price? I mean, is it is it wrong to say that when you're getting fitted for, you know, Again, shafts seem like the ones I keep coming back to, but I guess club heads could be applied to this as well. Is it fair to say that more expensive is pretty much always better? It depends how you're looking at it. So the way the way the kind of the golf products work is you have golf clubs that are currently in production, and then you have golf clubs that are, let's say, like a year or two old, right? So you can go in you can go in a store right now and grab a club from a major manufacturer. Let's just use $500 as a basic price point for a driver right now. You can go into a store right now and buy a driver for $350. It's brand new, but let's say it's a, you know, 2018 model, right? Um great deal, right? You're getting 150 bucks off. Um you know, it's brand new club. The technology's not that far behind. Problem is is that club is um you pretty much have to buy it as is. So you're not going to be able to do anything to that club to tweak it unless you're going to buy the shaft yourself and then install, you know, have somebody install it, right? So you're already adding that additional 150 or maybe more on top of that. So um, more money, I wouldn't say necessarily makes more sense. It just depends like what you're getting. I would say that most people going in to buy a brand new driver right now, if you go in and buy a brand new driver and you don't get fit for it, like, like you're you're wasting your money, hundred percent. Because a lot of people don't realize that this driver, <laughs> yeah, man, that's that, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well me. done. Sorry, man. I mean, <laughs> hey, look, and, and and don't get me wrong. These these club manufacturers, they do a lot of testing and they figure out, hey, what is going to work for the masses? Like, what what has the sure. highest probability of working? So they're trying to make it to where, hey, if a guy grabs something off the rack, there's a good chance it's going to work pretty well for you. But is it the best? Probably not. Um, but that being said, you know, a lot of a lot of people don't realize that when you go in and you buy these drivers for $500, the price of the shaft is built into that driver. And there are, I mean, I know that the manufacturer I was working for, we had over 30 different shafts that were no upcharge, meaning you have all these different options that can, you know, be better for you that don't cost you anything more. Yeah, you might have to get fit for it, which might be a charge, 50 bucks. If I'm spending 500 bucks, what's 50 bucks, right? Like I'm, I'm either going to waste 500 bucks or I'm going to spend an extra 50 to make sure that 500 is the best it can be. So I think, you know, if you can get a, a even a basic fitting, even if you can just go into your basic club, you know, you know your, your basic pro shop or whatever, and they can do a, a club fitting for 50, even 100 bucks, like that is completely worth it because mm-hmm. honestly – that club's going to last you years. It really is if it's right. fit to you. But, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that that price is built in 
and you can order it. It's the same price. And um, really, like, it can be night and day between the one that you just randomly pick off the shelf because it says stiff on it and the one that a guy fits you into because it has a little bit different characteristics. Like, I've, I've seen it myself. And, you know, shafts that, uh, you know, a guy, you know, just – you know, a lot of guys would come in with clubs they already bought. They bought a they bought a club. They came in. They're like, "Oh, it fit me for this." And I'm like, "Man, you're lucky you came in because you would have been. You know, you would have thought you wasted 500 bucks. You would have been frustrated. You know, you would have had a you know a bad golf game. And really, it was just one simple tweak that just was night and day. So, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna invest that much money, I don't really don't know how many people would invest that much money in anything without doing some due diligence. And that's really what your part is as the consumer is to go out there and get fit. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, <laughs> I know that a lot of friends have asked me, like, is it worth it to get fitted? My answer is always yes. yes. My answer is always yes. I'm a huge hypocrite because I haven't gotten fitted. But I know, talking to people like you and uh, you know a lot of friends that I have in the industry, it's pretty much a consensus that it can't really hurt you. It can really only benefit you to get fitted. Um, with that being said, I also happen to have a lot of friends that are cheap motherfuckers. I'm telling you, like... And they're always like, all right, well, I'm going to go to the golf mart. I'm going to kind of see if I can sort of get fitted, figure out what I need to do, and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to jump on eBay or whatever. I'm going to buy it. Is that, when you were fitting, is that something that was happening happening pretty regularly or is that something that, you know, fitters combat like, hey, if you want to get fitted, it's a flat fee and then do what, it, you can buy the clubs from us or you can do whatever you want. I mean, how how does that uh, that setup usually work? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of times, like when I was doing fitting, like they, they'd pay for a fitting fee and sometimes they would just want to get their specs. Like it's, it's pretty simple. You know, they, they didn't want to drop the, uh, um, you know, what it, whatever it costs to order the club on hand, which is fine. Um, you know, that's why, because the fitting is really just getting kind of a diagnosis, right? Like you're, you're getting, Hey, what am I? It's a know, doctor's visit. Exactly. Like, what do I need? Right. And then it's, it's up to you to fulfill the subscription or the prescription or subscriptions to a uh, golf guide by the way if you guys want yes, one that's uh, right. golf guide available at a golf course near you golf courses near you anyway so yes um that would happen a lot you know and you get guys i mean look they're people are price conscious golf is not an easy sport to enter into no I, I totally get it and it's the same reason why people learn how to play on clubs that aren't fit to them because they're not going to go out and drop even a couple hundred dollars on a on a set of golf clubs that they don't even know if this is something they're going to pursue. So I totally get that. Uh, my big thing is when you're, when you're, if you're going to go get fit, I, I think maybe as on the consumer side, it's kind of like m maybe be a little bit more aware of kind of how much tweaking is happening um, from the guy who's fitting you and see like how much different it is from like a stock product because a lot of stuff online like if you're going to buy it off a company's website it's probably going to be stock mm -hmm. um but i mean a lot of times like if you're going to go on ebay yeah you can get some stuff that's good and i would say like i mean i i would tell guys this personally i would say hey look the reason why you're getting these results that you're getting is the shaft like and again i, I think the shaft has a lot to do with it so the one of the cool thing about getting fit is that you can go in you can try out all these different shafts and then really what it is is you're trying to find those characteristics of that shaft. So what what is it about this shaft that helps me be more consistent? Is it the weight of the shaft? Is it the launch characteristics? Is it is it because it's a high launch shaft or it's a low spin shaft, right? Like what is it about this shaft that's helping deliver the club head to the ball efficiently, which is what we want? And then I, w I mean, like honestly, I would tell some guys like, look, go online, 
there's probably some dude out there who got this shaft for free because it happens all the time, like golf pros and all this stuff. Like they get they sponsor, they get stuff from other companies, and then they they go and sell it online. They're yeah. not supposed to, but they do. And so you go on eBay and you can find the same shaft that maybe I fit you into. That's three hundred. Like if you bought it brand new, some of these shafts are like. You know, you're spending almost five hundred dollars because a shaft would be four hundred. You got to put a tip on it. You got to have it built. All of a sudden, it's five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You can go on eBay, find the exact same setup for like one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks. Right. And that's the big, you know, differentiator. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, go out there and try it. Now you're only spending one hundred fifty bucks. That could make all the difference in the world. I'm all about guys saving money. I mean, look, man. Like we talked about it before, when you're in the golf industry, you're in it because. You know, you know, you're not going to be making a ton of money, no. but you know, you're going to be getting kind of some benefits out of it. And Lord knows I've got plenty of benefits out of it through, through, um, you know, just being able to work for club manufacturers. So, um, you know, I'm all about it, man. Go out there and get the best deal you can, but make sure you know what you're looking for. Cause, sure. cause if I fit you for something, this doesn't mean to just go out there and just Google search the club that you came in to get fit for. No, there's a reason I put you into that shaft and there's yeah. a reason why we have it tweaked. So really, if you're going to go get fit and you're going to leave that um, fitting without an actual product. Ask for as much information as possible. Most guys who are cool will give it to you if they're being a dick about it. You know, like they suck in the first place because in the end, like if you're fitting somebody, you're trying to make people better golfers and if they're really going to just get, you know, butthurt about it. I will also say this. If you're going to get fit and you just want your specs, just tell them straight up. Just be like, hey, man, like I'm like, you know, whatever your, your, your level is of golf, just be like, hey, you know, I've never been fit. Um, I'm kind of just looking to see like, you know, what my specs are. And I think like most fitters, you know, even if they're working off commission or whatever it is, like they'll respect that right away. They're not going to give you any less service, but they'd probably rather hear that right off the bat. I know with me, like I didn't really care either way. Um, just because like, that's just how I was. And I would, I mean, a lot of times I would tell people exactly where to look. I'd be like, go into eBay, search this. Sometimes I'd go up on my computer and actually search a form back. Like, Yo, this is your thing right here. I'd send them a link <laughs> to their phone. Cause like for me, I mean, look, man, like, if, you just I, want people to enjoy the game. I do. And, yeah. and I think, you know, if they leave there and they have a lot better time, like it's all about having fun, you know, and, and, and enjoying the game. But, um, you know, don't, um, you know, for those people out there trying to get a deal, like go get a deal. Cause yeah. like the amount of people I've seen be able to save a few hundred bucks, like go do it. You know what I mean? Like there's, especially when it comes to the shafts, there's so many, like so much money you can save on that stuff, but just really get as much information as you can from, from the fitter that you're with is really what it's all about. For sure. Um, Going more to like equipment more so than just club fitting. This is where I'm about to expose my my lack of knowledge once again. So this is you know this is me opening up to you and all of our delightful listeners here. Ignorance um, is bliss. <laughs> I have a lot. I've actually you know surprisingly and you know very pleasantly I've had a lot of friends over the last year or two begin to take up the game. And you know being somebody who works in the industry, you know they come to me and they say, Hey Kyle, like I'm thinking about picking up golf. I need to get myself some clubs. Don't do it. <laughs> exactly. First of all, save your money and save the heartache and save the frustration and go go to take up hiking or something Unless like that. Unless you're married, then <laughs> do it. <laughs> when they come, they say, hey, so do I need to get new clubs? My first instinct is to say, no. Like, you don't need to get new clubs. But I also wouldn't get old clubs. And then I always throw out a, a number in terms of try to get something made within the last X number of years because that'll mean they're, the equipment's probably... 90 plus percent as good as what the new stuff would be now um you're, you're nodding your head a little bit thinking that that's not totally totally crazy but i guess an example like if someone were to go and buy like a set of irons or something like that or to just kind of just get started that maybe you're five years old 
how much different is that technology than what's being produced and sold as new today? And if someone were to come up to you and say, hey, Dan, like, you know, I'm, I want to take up golf. I'll even get like, you know, fitted a little bit, but I don't really necessarily need new clubs. How old would you feel comfortable recommending somebody, you know, purchase clubs for to the point where they're still going to be comparable and at least somewhat on the same level as te- the technology that we have today? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a little bit tough because technology is so good on the high end of golf clubs. But, um, you know, again, going back to our, our previous conversation, like being fit is important. I think if I had a friend who was like I knew was like super tall, I'd be like, hey, man, just go get like a starter set. Like go to your local shop, get like, I mean, a lot of starter sets, they'll be around 200, 250. A lot of times like they're already pre-built. They usually have versions that are already extended or something like that. If it's if it's circumstances like that i understand that hey like having the right fit of clubs is going to be more important than the actual technology in it i mean most starter sets like they don't have a lot of technology in it they're really just giving you you know your basic golf club so that you can kind of work on your your um technique now as far as the, the technology goes i mean i would say in my experience every probably every five years you start seeing like pretty impressive jumps in 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 the technology but it also depends on kind of what category right like we were talking um earlier about you know the difference between like the forge clubs and and kind of the um the i guess the the innovation when it came to being able to have like forged cavity backs which is pretty cool but i mean i i mean one of the best clubs i still see out there all times like and and some of your listeners listeners will know about like the ping i2s from like the late late 80s man with the cushion shafts so those clubs right there i mean you're talking about a club that you know 30 years old but it's it's still like it still holds up when it comes to like the quality um obviously it's not going to be nearly as good as some of you know the technology that's out nowadays but like for a guy who's beginning like i mean that's kind of the set that i learned on so you know I, i wouldn't really necessarily be too concerned about you know hey like you know make sure to you know get like like you have to get something within the last like five years because if a guy goes and gets like a, a set of blades that's two years old well that's that sucks you know yeah. what I mean? like that doesn't really help right so i think i think for me like i i really again going back to when i'd fit people it's about the club head first if you're a beginner go with a cavity back you know get something that can give you a nice result right out right off the bat you know something that can kind of like be a little bit more encouraging mm-hmm. but also make sure it has the right shafts because like the amount of times i see like younger guys like I think I grew up in that, um, you know, I, we grew up in that wave of Tiger, right? Where you got a lot of guys who were like a lot of people who were just outside of golf who got into golf because it started to become a little bit more cool. I mean, I, I played golf in, in middle school and high school, and it like you're a nerd if you play golf, right? Like it's not really, you know, like you know, a nerd who got are, to yeah, skip a whole bunch of class. Yeah, hey man, you get you get out of there, and you know, you might you might just kind of hang out and just like, oh, I get to walk walk through the park and, and hit a ball while you guys are in class. So like, you know, now who's laughing? But <laughs> um, <laughs> no, man, I mean, like really. So now you get a lot of the people who are kind of into it, but like they're younger guys, you know, like guys who are athletic, you know, and and they might have played other sports, right? They want to kind of keep that competitive those juices flowing, but they um you know they're in a kind of a new you know kind of like a new realm here and so they they end up just kind of getting whatever's available and so i I think that just having if you have somebody who's getting into golf just really just understanding like hey man you're a younger guy just make sure they're steel shafts make sure it's a cavity back go from there like as long as you know the guy's not like super short or super tall i think it's fine but yeah save some money where you can man i mean really like I, i think i think if you can try to say if you could try to stay within the last like five or six years cool um but again like that's just um you know 
that kind of depends on how much you're going to invest in the game. If you're going to be playing a lot, cool. Um, if you're not, like, you know, get some old sticks. As long as they fit you at the right length, got mm -hmm. de decent shafts in it, you'll be able to learn. No problem. Interesting. So if somebody, again, I'm going off script here. If somebody was like, yo, I love my ping I2s. Me personally, that was my first set of irons, and they still, I could probably still argue they may have been the best set of irons I've ever had to this day. If somebody was like, yo, I actually still want to play ping I2s. If they went and got fitted and put new shafts that were tailor-made to their swing on ping I2 heads, How would those stack up against, say, you know, cavity backs you would go buy new off the rack that you're fitted for in terms like would they be 90 percent as good, 80 percent as good, assuming that all the shaft technology was the same? So I, I, I'm giving you a bad example because the ping I twos are no. just so wonderfully awesome that maybe no. they're they'd be more awesome than other ones or, or maybe not. I don't know. You you know better than I would. <laughs> so I, I used to get this all the time. I get guys come in with like clubs that are like four or five years old. Right. And they're, they're getting fit. And, you know we figure out pretty quickly like, Hey man, like the shafts are right for you. And, and so they of course are, are thinking, I mean, everyone's price conscious and they're thinking, well, well, I like this club. Like what if I just get them reshafted? The thing is you're reinvesting uh, into old technology. And the, the fact of the matter is by the time you, you were able to buy the shafts and, and do all the um, necessary work on those golf clubs, you're ended up spending more than you need to um, okay. as far as like you're, I mean, in your example, it's a little bit more drastic, but let's say I had a guy who came in with like clubs that are three or four years old, right? So they're not too far behind, um, but the shafts definitely aren't, aren't, aren't meant for them. So you're talking about your typical iron set, which is about eight pieces. Let's say it's like a four through gap wedge or three through pinch wedge. And so you're looking at um, having to reshaft the club. So let's just say st it's a steel shaft, which is generally a little bit cheaper. Mm -hmm. um, steel shaft, you know, you're buying them average, I mean, even on the cheaper end, 25 bucks a shaft, right? So now you're looking at eight clubs, I mean, Come on now. Like you're talking about, you know, you're, ta you're talking about a couple, couple hundred bucks right yeah. there. Mm -hmm. And then you're talking about a couple hundred bucks there. And then you're talking about having to buy grips for them. You're talking about having to have them built. So by, by the time you're done with it, you're probably looking about $400. And so if I'm telling you, okay, cool, put, th put $400 into a club that, granted, I fit you into a club head that is not that club head. But we found a shaft that I'm, I'm pretty positive will still f fit into that old club head. That's fine. Because, again, you know, the shaft is pretty... Um, I wouldn't say universal, but if you find a shaft that fits you, there's a pretty good chance it's going to fit you in whatever club head you put in it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if you're going to spend four hundred, five hundred dollars, like I'm sorry, but spend a few hundred extra bucks and get the new technology. Because realistically, if you get an iron set that fits you, I always tell guys that iron set, unless you want to change it, you really don't probably need to change it um, for at least probably five or six years. And that's like you know, that's just based on kind of like. If your swing changes, you know, swing speed changes, you get sure. a little bit older, stuff like that. But, you know, you see guys change drivers all the time because, like, everybody wants to hit the ball a little bit further. They're, they're willing to pay 500 bucks for 5, 10 extra yards. But for irons, again, it's about precision. So, you know, if you are hitting that ball 150 every time, I don't care if it's a 6-iron or an 8-iron. Like, that's what you want it for. Right. You want to be able to sit over 150 know exactly what club you're going to hit. So, you know, I, I don't think it's worth investing money into old technology um, if you can just spend a couple hundred extra bucks and get something brand new. so Interesting. And right there, we are going to hit the pause button. Uh, my conversation with Dan lasted nearly two glorious hours, so uh, we're going to cut this thing into two parts. That was part one uh, and part two of my conversation with Dan Hasselroth 
on Highly Technical Golf Talk will be out soon, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Um, and I hope you guys really enjoyed that. Uh, again, really fun conversation that I enjoyed immensely uh, with Danny and uh, excited to bring you guys part two. Uh, if you like what you heard, don't forget to like, rate, and review the Golf Guide podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast player you enjoy listening to this on. All right, everybody, thank you so much, and until next time.